Bruce Lawn. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have an incredible untold story for you guys with my brother Alan Parr. But before we get into that, guys, my name is Ruslan. In the link of the description, we have a free niche training if you're looking to get into the YouTube space, as well as a free how to study the Bible course and a free Master My Habits course that I put together with my Christian therapist. So check out the links in the description. On this video, you guys are going to get to know the untold origin story of Alan Parr, how he got to where he's at in YouTube, but what it took here, what it took to get here, his his background and career, uh, how he built out his YouTube channel, his marriage, and so much more. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in our brother, Alan Parr. Glad to be here, bro. I'm so glad, man. Thankful for you, your friendship, your ministry, Man, cheering you on and uh, love what you're doing, brother. I'm glad we're connected. I've known Alan for a little over a year. I consider him a friend. Uh, we've hung out in person. He's called me and rebuked me before, which was needed uh, over FaceTime. And uh, and and I've, I recently just started finding out more and more about your your origin story, which I don't think a lot of people know. Uh, I know I know some of these things about you, but I'm I feel like you're this this onion that the more I, I peel away, I'm like, man, this is so interesting. But specifically interesting and beneficial and necessary to, I think, a lot of my younger Gen Z millennial audience. When they see the Alan Parr, they see 800,000 subscribers, they see, you know, the views, but they don't quite understand how you build a life this way where you maintain your faith and that's thriving and flourishing. Your marriage is in an amazing place as well as building out the ministry and a YouTube side of things. So let's just jump beginning uh, foundationally. Where's Alan from and how did you get into ministry in the beginning? Yeah, so um, originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and uh, grew up in a... um, it's not really a single parent home. I guess you could say it's a single parent home. My, my parents uh, got divorced when I was younger. And so um, let me just always go on record and say that I had growing up and still do to this day have two wonderful, loving parents who um, couldn't love me any more than two parents could love a son. But uh, they just didn't make it work. They couldn't get it work uh, in terms of marriage or whatnot. So um, I grew up really from the age of six years old and beyond, not really knowing what a real family structure was like and, um, you, you know, never really had a model to look at in terms of what it should be, um, what a godly man should be, what a husband should be, what does a godly marriage look like or any of those things. And growing up, um, and I'm sure my story isn't unique because, I mean, the divorce rate nowadays is over 50 or 60 percent. So there's a lot of people kind of growing up in that environment. Um, but for me, I don't think I knew that it really affected me much until I got much older, which I know we'll get into that uh, a little bit later in terms of my dating and, and courting and all of those things. But um, yeah, so from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, grew up, got saved whenever I was eight years old. My father, actually, as a result of the divorce, um, he was so devastated by the divorce and and whatnot, God actually used that divorce to bring him to the Lord because hmm. he had nowhere else to turn. And uh, he wasn't a believer while my mother and my, do- my dad were, were married. And so he became a, a believer after that and led my sister and I to the Lord at eight years old. And uh, my sister's two years older. And so uh, essentially from eight until about 19 or 20, I was just an average 
kid, but I, I really didn't have a relationship with God. I went to church. My mom kind of took me to church. Um, I, I, I joke and say I, I grew up and I had a drug problem. Um, you know, not physical drug, but I was drugged to church. I was drugged to youth group. I was drugged <laughs> here. I was drugged there. I'm sure you can relate. But, you know, I, I, I really didn't have a relationship with God. I don't ever remember reading my Bible. I, never, I don't ever remember praying growing up. And as a result, I made a lot of poor decisions in high school and in college. I uh, got involved with, um, you know, women that I shouldn't have got involved with, um, you know, was promiscuous on some level, although because I was a believer, I never really got crazy with it. But I just made some bad decisions. And it really wasn't until college that really God got a hold of my life and somebody actually took the time to disciple me. And that's why I'm so passionate today about discipleship and, um, you know, helping others grow, because that's really where God got a hold of me. Obviously, we'll get into more and more about ministry yeah. and things like that, but I just I don't want to talk too long. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. So you have you have you're coming from this broken family. Um, it, it, it creates a, a disconnect in terms of your own personal faith and discipleship. And what does that practically look like? And so you make some mistakes and then you 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 have this full on surrender to Jesus around college time. Where did you go to college and approximately what age was that when you like yeah. I said, I'm surrendering to the Lord? Yeah, yeah. So um, I went to college in Cleveland, Ohio. It's a school called Case Western Reserve University. And really, I went there. It's interesting how, how life turns out, because originally growing up, I was really, really good at math. I mean, I'm not boasting, but I was I was great at math. I loved math more than anything else. I loved math. And so I wanted to be a high school math teacher. And uh, because I was really inspired by my high school math teacher, who really turned into more of a mentor for me. But I was discouraged from being a teacher by a variety of people because, as we know, teachers don't make a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. So I went into engineering. And uh, mm. so I graduated from college with an uh, electrical engineering degree. I actually went on and got my master's degree in electrical engineering. And at that point, even though by this time uh, the Lord had really started stirring on my heart uh, a love for the word of God, I'm not going to say a love for ministry. That came a little bit later, but really a love for the word of God. Um, at this point, I was just for the first time in my life wanting to make some money because I grew up mm -hmm. in a home that we were middle class at best, single mm -hmm. parent home. My mother was a teacher, so we didn't have a whole lot of money. Um, and I was just ready to get, you know, go out and get paid and, and, and make some money and everything. And, and so I did that. I, I graduated from college with my master's degree at the age of 22. And um, so this was back in, gosh, I'm dating myself. I don't even know if I want to date myself, but yeah, I'll date myself. <laughs> I'll, man, I went to college in 93, graduated with my master's in 98. And um, from 98 until 2000, I actually went to work at Ford Motor Company in Detroit, Michigan. Got my first job out of college. Mm. And it was crazy because I didn't really have a hunger for the for the job. It wasn't mm. really all that exciting, um, but it was good money for the first time in my life. I had good money. I didn't have to study. Life was good. It wasn't great. Mm. I wasn't passionate about it at all. And there's a couple things, Russ, that happened that really led me to be in ministry. The first was, and this is this is really part of my testimony and why I'm so passionate about discipleship. The first is there was a guy by the name of Dr. Benz Sandair. He taught a local Bible study at the church that I was attending in Detroit, Michigan. 
Weirdly enough, it was actually a United Methodist church. At the time, I didn't mm -hmm. care because it was just, mm -hmm. it was cool. Everybody mm -hmm. was cool. And so he took a notice in me. He noticed that I was asking, you know, higher level questions in his Bible study that most others in the Bible study really weren't asking. I was answering some of his questions. So he took me under his wing. He started taking me out to, uh, to eat. And um, uh, after Bible study, we'd have these great conversations. And so one day he's like, hey, I'm going to be out of town uh, the next couple of Tuesdays. Uh, would you mind filling in for me and teaching the Bible study? At this point, I'm, I never taught a Bible study at all. And I'm like, really? Like, wow, okay, I've never done this before, but I think it's something I can do. Mm -hmm. So that was the first taste that I had for ministry and for teaching the Bible. At this point, mm -hmm. I, I was just discovering my love for the word. And then I discovered my love for teaching the Bible. And mm -hmm. so I did that for a couple of weeks and good reports got back to him. Like, hey, brother, Alan knocked it out of the park. It was good. Mm -hmm. We enjoyed it. So, you know, I, I got some more chances to do that. But then the bigger clincher was um, a few months later, I actually got temporarily um, transferred to Kansas City, Missouri on a special assignment at a Ford plant. While I was there, this is crazy. The first dude that I saw at this assembly plant was a black dude with a big old Afro. I don't even remember his name, but he was a bivocational pastor Mm. who had a really small storefront church and he worked on the assembly line in Kansas city. And so we got to talk and he was like, Hey, I need somebody to play the piano at my church because I played the piano. I was like, yeah, cool. I'll fill in. No problem. I can help mm -hmm. you through our more conversations. He said, Hey, you know, do you ever preach? Have you ever preached? I said, no, I never preached, man. I don't know what you're talking about. He said, you know what? If you want to share a word from God, you know, I'll put you up. Mm. And, and so I was like, okay, cool. I'll give it a shot. And that one time, that was in 1999, that one first sermon that I preached mm -hmm. lit a fire in me to say, for the first time in my life, I knew what I was put on this earth to do. It was a feeling wow. that I couldn't shake. And as a result, man, I, I, I quit my job. <laughs> and uh, about a year later, I went to seminary. And I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll continue wow. the story from there. But the rest so, is history. <laughs> I love it. So real, real blue-collar background. Um Masters in engineering, which is which is again, I didn't know that about you. Uh, your mother's a school teacher, and you end up just just the Lord just gets a hold of you with regards to the ministry side, and you end up transitioning. And I'm assuming you do the the ministry of music and preaching, or how did that come together? Because you also did music at a church for a while. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's timeline music, and then you ended up going to, am I, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Dallas Theological Seminary is yeah. really prestigious seminary. So how, fill me on on that timeline. Yeah, yeah. Um, now later on, when we talk about how I started the the uh, the beat. Um, I'll talk with you a little bit about an experience that I had in college. So if I forget, remind me, but an experience I had in college that really motivated me for starting the beat. But mm -hmm. we'll get there uh, a little bit later. But essentially, I grew up in a musical home. My mother mm -hmm. was um, a vocalist. She was, uh, you know, she did concerts. She sang all over the city of Pittsburgh. And uh, I, I grew up singing in operas and choirs and things like that. So singing and music was always a big part of my life. And I started learning how to play the piano, kind of self-taught whenever I was about 20, 19 or 20 or so. And, um, and so I just started learning, playing the piano or whatnot. So my first experience in a church ministry context was, like I said, with that guy in Kansas City where I was just playing background, playing some hymns, playing the church. 
whatever. But I, I never really saw myself as wanting to be on staff as a church musician. But, um, you know, we're halfway through seminary in 2002. I went to seminary, Dallas Theological Seminary at 2000. So let me backtrack. Graduated from high school in 1993. Got my Master of Engineering in 1998. Only lasted for two years at Ford Motor Company in Detroit, Michigan, because while I was there, I accepted my call to ministry. I headed down to Dallas Theological Seminary, still as a single guy, didn't know anyone here. Uh, came down here, basically moved all my stuff in a U-Haul, big old truck, drove like 19 hours from Detroit to down to Dallas, got enrolled in Dallas Theological Seminary. About two years in, I met a guy, and he's a local pastor, still a great friend of mine. And he needed a minister of music at his church. Well, mm. it was willing to pay some money. And I didn't have a lot of money. I was in seminary, wasn't making much. So I said, hey, man, I'd be glad to. I love worship. I love music. So interestingly enough, I actually, from 2002 mm. up until 2014, I really became branded and known as the worship guy. Mm. Um, I mean, <laughs> that was really all churches wanted to bring me into to, was to yeah. lead worship. And between yeah. that 12-year period, which I know we'll go into a lot more detail in a moment, but in that 12-year period, I must have led worship at four different churches on staff for, at one church for six years where I was doing a lot of worship leading as well as teaching a Wednesday night Bible study, which is, yeah. we'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah. man, I was doing a lot of worship leading for about 12-year period. Wow. So here's a, a practical question that's even coming up right now in the chat is, how were you sustaining yourself financially as you were at Dallas Theological Seminary? Because you are, again, engineering degree, you're working with, with, in, in, with a Ford, and then you're, uh, you know, before you get on staff at a church and start making a little bit of money as a worship leader, which, by the way, churches don't pay a ton of money, guys, so it's not like he was just swimming in the money. But in what is but that interim at Dallas Theological Seminary, you said you got your master's at 22, right? So I'm assuming it didn't take you a whole lot of time to, to finish at Dallas Theological Seminary seminary, but how did you sustain yourself in that window? Yeah. Well, uh, first off, Dallas Seminary was about a four-year program. The one I did Ooh. was a master of theology degree. It's 120 credits. So you think about that, 15 credits per semester times eight semesters. Um, that's four, four years right there. So um, it was a, a grueling program, wow. amazing program. I mean, I, I, I mean, that's a whole nother story, but I, I, will forever be in debt to Dallas Theological Seminary. I thank God those were four of the best years of my life. Shout out to DTS. I believe it's the best preparatory school in the world, but I'm a little biased. However, the question you asked was, how did I sustain myself? Well, see, this is how God works. I believe that, well, not believe it. God knew that I wasn't going to be in engineering for very long. So while I was at Ford Motor Company, I was actually saving up a lot of money to buy a house. Mm. And I didn't even have any clue what I was going to need that money for. I just assumed it was going to be for a house. So mm -hmm. um, when I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, this is crazy. When I was 24, because I graduated with my master's in 22, spent two years mm -hmm. in Detroit. So by the time I'm 24, I'm enrolling in Dallas Theological Seminary. When I came to Dallas, mm -hmm. I re remember vividly that I had about $30,000 in the bank account. Wow. And I was like, at that moment, I thought I was rich. I was like, oh, wow. dude, I should be able to live off of this. But here's the here's the blessing, though. Here's uh -huh. the blessing. And this is what I'm saying. When God is in something, you all, he'll make a way. He'll make Come a on. way to provide for you. So 
I had a really, really great friend, still have a great friend who worked at General Motors in Detroit. I worked at Ford. He worked mm -hmm. at General Motors. He had a high up position. Once he figured out that I was leaving Ford to go to Dallas, uh -huh. he was like, hey, man, you're going to need something to do while you're there to make ends meet and to really, um, you know, sustain yourself. And in my mind, I was like, no, 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 man. I don't, I'm cutting my ties from engineering. I'm done with engineering. <laughs> I don't want to be an engineer. I'm going hardcore for Jesus. I'm going into the ministry. That's it. I'll find a church job when I get there. Mm -hmm. He was like, bro, no. Nah. Okay, you can do that. But just holler at me when you get that job. And But in the meantime, I'm going to give you a job you can do remotely where you're working for me. So you can use your wow. engineering skills and you can send the work up to me in Detroit from Dallas, and I'll pay you like, man, I was getting like 40 or $50 an hour. And dude, like for a seminary student working from home, yeah. getting 40 or 50 bucks an hour part-time, that that with the $30,000 that I saved up, yeah, yeah, just totally took care of seminary wow. completely. And I kept that job up until two weeks before I graduated from seminary in 2004. That's how wow. crazy that is. So first of all, I, so this is, this again, this is why I love this, because you, we're, we're taking away some of the mystique, blind faith, jump out the window. I'm moving to another state and following Jesus. Just do it to Holy Spirit told me. You are sitting here. You're being faithful. First of all, you you got a high earning degree as, as a master's in engineering. That's not something, you know, that that, that was relegated as like the, the highest earning degree or the most useful up until recently. And I, we could talk about that as well. But you 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 crush it in college. You have a network and and friends. You're financially diligent, so you save forty. You said forty to fifty thousand, right? Is that, is that the about number? thirty? Yeah, thirty thousand. Um, as a twenty four year old, so that's I mean that's a lot of restraint. I don't know a lot of twenty four year olds that were saving thirty grand, and then you transition but you have a network of people probably because you did right by some people and you showed up and over delivered and were fun to be around and were friendly and all these different things so then when you transition to seminary you're thinking i could survive off of this 30 grand indefinitely you then have a, another alley-oop to, to work remotely before zoom and before there was a, a panoramic where everybody was remote you're working remote utilizing that same skill set as an engineer which is a scarce skill set and it sustains you all the way through college, through a seminary, which was a, I can't believe that's a four-year program. And, and this is, you know, I, I think about this quote, and it's not directly from the scriptures, but I think about this quote, Alan, and it's, do what is easy and life will be hard. Do what is hard and life will be easy. And it seems like up until this mm -hmm. point, you're consistently willing to do the hard thing. Choose the hard major. Go to the hard program. Do the hard work. Right. Uh, it, it juggle going to seminary and working remotely. These are all consistently hard choices, and and it's reflecting your stewardship. So, boom! Two weeks before you sustain yourself financially, you're in a great space. Uh, we could just stop and talk about that for hours, but we're gonna keep it moving. Uh, Two weeks, and then when do you jump into now starting to work at different churches as a full time? Not just a side hustle, but now this is now your full time thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, now I left out one one little minor detail. Yeah. And uh, while I was in seminary, and th this is going to come back in later. This while I was in seminary in two thousand and one, uh, I met a young lady and um, thought I was going to get married to her. Um, I felt like when I was a seminary, I was the only single guy and everybody around me was married. I mean, it was just that culture. Seminary is that culture. The faculty, 
I mean, all the illustrations, all the stories that they would use mm -hmm. in their classrooms is all about marriage. Everybody I knew was married and they were younger than me. I mean, they were coming mm -hmm. out of Moody Bible Institute at 21 years old, married with like one child on the way. And I'm 24, <laughs> get ready to be 25. And I felt behind. So mm. fell in love with this girl, started to, you know, basically we, I uh, uh, proposed to her. We got engaged, uh, put a ring on her finger. We put money down on a um, a, a place for us to uh, get married, uh, um, a, a reception hall, um, and get, uh, what's it called? Um, honeymoon. She got the dress. Like we were wow. like six months away from being married and to make a long story short, I won't go into that, but, um, I, God really sent somebody at a key pivotal time in my life to show me that I was about to make the biggest, uh, poor, the, you know, the biggest poor decision of yeah. my early life at that point. Uh, took a lot of courage. It's another lesson for some of you all who might be watching. That's another huge lesson that, um, look, just because you've been, you've been in a relationship and it's comfortable, it's convenient, it doesn't make it right. And no matter wow. how far deep you get into it, if it's not right and you know that it's not right in your spirit, have enough courage to cut it off. Because if I wouldn't have, I'd have been in a miserable marriage and I never would have met my wife now. Um, so that happened in 2002. Fast forward to 2004. Now, this is where things get get very interesting because um, right at, right before I graduated from seminary in 2004, I actually got my first full-time paid position at a church, a local church. I'm not going to say the name of the church, but all I'll say is that it was a really, really very, it was a very painful experience because hmm. um, I got on staff at the church. I was making about $30,000 a year. The assumption the pastor gave me in writing and said, hey, after a few months, every few months, we'll revisit your salary because I know we brought you in kind of low mm -hmm. and we're going to pay you a little bit more. Um, and so I, a year goes by. I didn't ask for any more. I led worship. I taught Bible studies. I filled in from the pulpit. I did everything that he wanted me to do. At this point, after a year, I don't have any more salary. Gas was like $4 at that point. Mm -hmm. I'm driving mm -hmm. from... Dallas, like 40 miles to get to this church. That's like 40 miles away and back. And at this point, that money that I had in seminary, I'm not working the engineering job anymore. So money is tight. Mm -hmm. And so I go to the pastor. I'm like, Hey, look, like I want to be here. I love the church. I love the vision. I love what you're doing. Like, I really want to, I want to be here long-term, but I need a raise. Like I don't have any money left. I'm broke. Like I need some money. And basically the pastor said, we don't have any more to give you which was not true because I knew how much money we had in the account because I was like his right hand man. And so like he basically was like, we can't pay you anymore. Uh -huh. And that was devastating. But mm. I still stayed at the church. And this is how I actually got into teaching math. Mm. Because I, basically I was like, OK, you can't pay me, but brother man still got to pay his bills. Come on. So I started teach tutoring, just tutoring math. Mm -hmm. at a at a uh, a real low income school in the area hmm. uh just a few hours a week maybe like 8 hours a week mm -hmm. well the pastor got angry with me because he said hey we hired you full time to be here and now you're spending part of your time where you should be here tutoring at a church and I'm angry with him because you I'm ain't like paying dude, me pastor <laughs> for real I'm like dude I don't even want to do this I'm doing this because you won't pay me like another five ten thousand dollars so that I can really actually focus which is still not enough to really pay my bills but I was willing to do it because I believed in the church well he and I for another year mm. carry on with this 
you know, two ships passing in the night. He was preaching on Sunday. I'm doing the music. Mm. People thought everything was cool. And then to fast forward, because I know we have so much more to cover. To fast forward, um, in 2006, dude actually fired me from his church. And, man, I was devastated. The way it went down, it was crazy. It was horrible. Um, And the the tripped out part was he gave me like a – he basically said that in order for me to get a severance pay, mm-hmm. that I would have to sign a piece of paper that says I was resigning. You know how it is. Hmm. You know, you've wow. probably seen heard of this before. Because yeah, yeah. it looks better for the church if right. somebody can resign right. versus for them for him to find figure out a way to justify why he fired me when everybody at the church loved me and I wasn't caught up in any scandals or anything like that. That mm. was my first ministry experience out of seminary. And after that, I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to be on staff full time at a church. And that's how I actually ended up transitioning into teaching high school math, Mm. because at that point, my engineering skills and my engineering experience was obsolete. I hadn't worked an engineering position full time now Mm -hmm, for six mm -hmm, years. mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't have I mean, churches wouldn't hire me because I'm a single guy. I don't know. I just couldn't get hired on. Mm. Um, I just came out of a bad church experience. And the only thing I knew to do was to tutor math, teach math, mm-hmm, and that's how mm-hmm. I got into math. Yeah, and and I th- and I appreciate you mentioning that because engineering is one of those fields where you, ha- you it's a it's not like a one and done. You have to keep kind of updating your your uh, your certifications and your skill set, and it kind of evolves. And so you, that becomes obsolete for you. You have math. Uh, as a as a as a tool and the ability to to teach because this is the most unique thing about all this, Alan, is that the the skill set remains the same more or less. Whether you're communicating through music, whether you're discipling people in ministry, whether you're teaching young kids math, whether you're communicating from a Sunday morning platform, it's all the same gifting. It's all the same communication. It's just being expressed differently. And I've definitely been there uh, where man, I was on, I was on staff, similar situation. In my situation, it was it was my, my home church. I was still at, I'm still at the same church, but it was, I did resign because I could just tell it just wasn't gelling, you know, any longer. And so I just kind of like, all right, writing's on a wall. I'm going to transition out and, uh, let me, let me move on to, to figure out how this is going to play out. But, um, working at a church and then transitioning off is one of the hardest things I think for a lot of Christians to go through because it becomes the dream. I know I'm worth in your case, you were probably worth what at least double that in a marketplace with your engineering master's background, right? Yeah, I, I left. You're like, I left engineering making eighty thousand a year, and that was that was at the age of twenty four. Yeah. So now I'm um let me you know add six years to that because I'm four years from seminary, so that's yep. twenty eight, and then two years at this church. I'm thirty years old. I'm making thirty thousand a year. Six years prior, as an engineer, I made eighty thousand. Hmm. Yeah, and so did you go three into degrees. another ministry? I got three after degrees that? at this point. Did you go into another ministry after that, or did you did you just stick to the math at that point? So yeah, so um, so I started teaching high school. Well, my first teaching job was um, at a really really low income, low socioeconomic school because I wasn't a certified teacher, so I had to take whatever I could get. And once again, I was making thirty thousand dollars at this school. And um, my sister lived in Dallas at that point. 
And I didn't have a lot of money at all. At this point, you know, I was I didn't save up much from the church because I wasn't making much from the church. And then the school that I was working at wasn't was paying me about the same the church was about thirty two thousand a year. So I didn't have a lot of money. So I actually ended up having to move back in with my sister, which was well, not back in, but move in with my sister, which was really humbling because at this point I'm thinking, geez, you know, God, I, I got three degrees, two master's degrees, you know, and here I am pretty much broke. And so, um, so I, I moved in with my sister, start, started teaching high school math. And honestly, I did that for, I got certified and then I ended up uh, teaching at a much higher socioeconomic school and got paid a little bit more, but um, really, st- really taught math from 2007, 2006, all the way up to 2017. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> that, a lot longer than I thought I would be. Well, uh, yes, but, but I also think it's fascinating that you weren't so, so you weren't certified as a teacher which I, people don't know in different states you need different credentials there's different types of credentials like my eventually wife is certified. Got certified yeah eventually got certified but initially you aren't so you have to go back and and what take another course or another class or just a test to get certified yeah i had to go through the the teaching certification program which actually is crazy because you have to pay for that program but they realize that most teachers don't have the money to pay for it so what they do is they just take it out of your salary for like a year so even though I was making 30 from the school, I wasn't even making that because they took a lot out of the, you know, yeah, anyway. So that, that's kind of so how at this, the teaching certification worked. So, so at this point, you're, you're done with formal ministry. You're like, ah, it's not for me. Uh, and and I'm, I'm assuming you're obviously you're still a member of the church. You're still active, but you're kind of like, yeah, this the ministry full time life. I'll do better just teaching out in the marketplace. Is that kind of where, where your head is at? Well, see, at this point, you know, I still had hope for ministry. I still wanted to be full time uh, at a church after I'd say after about a year of kind of dealing with the pain of what happened at the church. um, I knew teaching math wasn't going to be my long term deal. And you know how it is, man, when God puts a gift in you, like teaching the Bible, Mm -hmm. that gift that was stirred up in me with Dr. Ben Sander from 1998 when I taught his Bible study for the first time, like Mm -hmm. there was still a burning and a hunger in me to want to do that. And so um, God gave me opportunities concurrently while I was teaching high school math to really exercise that gift. But Mm. I was frustrated because I really wanted to be full time in ministry. That's what I went to Mm -hmm. seminary for. That's what I gave up my career for. Mm -hmm. But I applied it literally. It felt like every church in Dallas I applied to and I could never get an opportunity, which will tie in later to how I started the, the beat. Yeah, that's a whole other story we'll get into later. But I, I must apply to at least 20 to 30 churches here in Dallas, just trying to be a youth minister. I mean, I tried everything and I kept no, I nobody got back to me. The best thing I could do was um, thankfully, praise God, I got a chance to teach at Dr. Tony Evans church mm-hmm. for about four years at his Bible Institute. And uh, that was but that was just like a part time thing. I wasn't a member at his church. I just kind of taught. Mm-hmm. Um you know, one, one class, one or two classes a semester, but I loved it. Wow. So around 2010, 2011, you said so you got the idea for the beat in college. So tell me about that. And then when you, oh, actually, no, 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 the, the beat didn't come around until, okay. Okay. I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. The beat, I didn't get the idea for the beat until 2014, but okay. some experiences triggered why I wanted to start the beat. And one of the experiences was um, when I was in college, 
I got uh, caught up in a, uh, a real, real unhealthy church. I'll just leave it at that. It was a really, really unhealthy church. There was a lot of things that were going on, a lot of false teachings, a lot of false practices, mm-hmm. um, just crazy stuff going on at this church. And because I was a baby Christian, I didn't know any better. I was just mm. misled and I didn't know what was going on. So I got caught up big time mm-hmm. in um, a movement that in my mind just wasn't, wasn't of God. And um, thankfully, as I studied the word more, God began to show me that there were some there were some uh, uh, issues between mm-hmm. what I was reading in the Bible versus mm-hmm. what was happening at the church and what this church was practicing. So mm-hmm. somehow I found my way out of that, what I would consider to be a cult and just a, a negative, toxic church environment and movement, church movement altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so when I started the beat in 2014... Um, first of all, let me backtrack. I was actually on staff part-time at a church. At this point, it was a super healthy church, had been on staff from 2008 to 2014, phenomenal church, loved the pastor, still great friends with the pastor today. Mm-hmm. I led worship for four of those years, taught Bible study on Wednesday nights and preached whenever he needed me to for four of those years. For two of the internal years, I was doing both of them. And so it was one of the best experiences of my life. But once mm-hmm. again, part time, uh, you know, just making a little cash on the side, maybe a thousand bucks a month, just kind mm-hmm. of a part time thing, still teaching high school math. And it was in 2014 where I left that church and had no idea why God was putting it on my spirit to leave this church. I just knew that after six years, as great as this church was and as comfortable as I was, and love teaching the Bible study on Wednesday night to about 50 people. To me, in my mind, this is crazy, Russ. In my mind, that's all I thought I could do. Mm. I need some of y'all to get that. Like that, all I thought I could do at 2014 was be a high school math teacher wow. and teach a Bible study with 30 to 45 people that showed up every Wednesday. And in my mind, in my finite mind, that's all that I thought Alan Parr could do. I had no idea I could do the beat, the YouTube channel things I'm doing now, creating courses, none of that. But mm. I, God put something in my spirit that it was time to leave this church. So I left the church, once again, gave up the money, didn't have yeah. any other place I was going, didn't have another church position. And so I just decided to visit a church locally that everybody was talking about, like, you got to go to this church or whatever. Crazy. I'll keep this real short. Um, it's February 14th, 2014. I'll never forget this day. Um, it's a singles a singles gathering, a singles party at this church. And the very first person that I see at the door greeting people who come in is this beautiful, beautiful woman that later on, uh, a year and a half later became my wife, Jennifer. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, awesome. we started talking, started dating a couple, couple hours, a couple months wow. later and the rest is history. But Obviously, obviously, there's a big yeah. gap of time where I was single. I know that's where you want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I want to go so many different places. And I just, first of all, I appreciate your candor and your vulnerability in this because I think, again, that this is the untold story that people may not know. So, wow. Okay, so the 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 beat starts in 2014, and you meet your wife around the same season. Is that is that correct? Around the same timeline. Yes, I do. Uh, one second, one second. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, you good. One second, Russ. My my little girl is up here. No, you know good. what? This happens sometimes. Come on. Come hey, on. let's go. You know what I'm saying? This happens when you go live. <laughs> here, and y'all get to see 
what happens when you wait on the Hi. Lord. You get to see a beautiful little girl Hi. like this. And she is such a precious little beautiful girl. Mm, daddy loves her so much. So, Booboo, can you go back downstairs? Daddy's on a call, okay? <laughs> okay. And tell Micah to stay down, too, because Daddy's on a call. I'll be down in just a little bit, all right? Okay, that's watch where you the, step. There you go. That, that's one of the dopest parts, and, and this is this. we're going to get into that to this later, but one of the dopest parts about what we do, Alan, is stuff like that, is that our, our kids can walk in anytime they want to. They can interrupt. It's yeah. not a problem. We're not nope. away. You nope. know what I mean? Like we're here. My my children are always arms reach. You, yep. you spend a lot of time. So that you know. And again, that's that's kind of where I want to take the conversation to. But but there, there's a there's a practical side to to just witnessing that, right? Like there's there's a there's yeah. a whole decades of of work that came into yes. just being able to have a moment like that and it not yeah. be an issue. Like I think that's so powerful. Um, even just just the timing of that was was really cool. So talk to me. <laughs> I about, forgot what you asked me, by the way. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Talk to me about uh starting the youtube and the the heart behind starting the youtube because yeah. 2014 is a completely different time on youtube it wasn't being a youtuber is very common people want to be youtubers people want to be influencers people want to be social media this is a different time this is 2014 this is there's not a lot of money in this yet there's not a right so this is a passion project for you uh in in many ways so tell tell me the heart and the motivation behind that yeah um Honestly, um, at this point, I started the beat for several reasons. Um, first and foremost, if I'm being completely honest, um, I kind of started the beat somewhat out of a frustration because I kind of felt like God had put so much in me. I mean, here I am, I had a seminary education, had years and years of experience teaching and preaching at this point. But I didn't feel like I had a platform to express it. And I was always at the mercy of someone else telling me when I could or could not preach, when or when I could not teach. Mm. You know, if they didn't like me, they would say, well, you can't teach the Bible study or whatever. Mm. Or, you know, if, if I was at a smaller church, I was like, you know, this is good, but I want to kind of see how a larger, more established church would roll. And then when I got to a bigger mega church, you know, you couldn't ever preach there. So I got frustrated because I'm like, God, I know you've given me a word. I know you've given me a gift, but I don't have any word to express it. And so I started looking around and I started noticing that people were on YouTube, but there weren't a lot of Christians on YouTube at that point, eight years ago, but there were a lot of people that were just blowing up and, and they were really, their, their reach was like international, but it was for secular stuff and for stuff that really didn't mean anything. It didn't matter. And so I said, well, what if Christians could start to put Christian content out there and the proverbial, you know, dominate the Google search bar type of thing to where when people, and that's another reason why I started the beat, because I noticed that the trend was moving away from church, local church. And a lot of people were going to Google asking questions. A lot of them were going to YouTube asking questions about things. And so I began to think, what if I could create a, 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 a channel that answers people's questions and gives people a biblical perspective and that's another reason why I started it, because I started seeing a lot of churches move away from the Bible mm. and people brought into that lie that, you know, the Bible's old school and it's not relevant. It's, it's boring. It doesn't mm. work anymore. Everything is like felt need. And so I wanted to let me say I, I want to say I'll see if I can say this. 
I wanted to bring sexy back to the Bible. I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to make the Bible great again, right? Like I wanted to make sure people knew you can have fun and the Bible can be fun. It can be relevant and it, you don't have to be bored yeah. listening to somebody teach the Bible. Yeah. So I started uh, the channel. The last thing I'll say is I knew I wanted a place to preserve all of my teachings. At this point, at 2014, Everything that I had taught, everything that I learned was either right here or mm. it was on my laptop. And mm. if I would have died that day, I mean, how would people have ever known what I have to offer? Um, mm. And so I wanted to create a, a platform where, where my teachings could be preserved. And mm-hmm. so I created um, The Beat. And what is the, the the heart behind the name The Beat? Because I've, I've always wanted to ask that because when you search, you got it's not Alan Parr, it's The Beat, Alan Parr, Alan Parr, The Beat. What, what was the, the heart behind that, that name? Yeah, so um, The Beat, a lot of people don't know that, is an acronym that stands for Biblical Encouragement and Truth. And mm. so um, those words, it just, it came to me. God just, it just came to me. Yeah. I don't know how, but it did. And um so biblical, I wanted the program to be Bible based, which is why I always use a lot of scripture. Most, most of my videos, I try to use a lot of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, encouragement. Mm-hmm. I wanted to encourage or exhort people in the word. Mm-hmm. And then truth. I wanted people to know the truth because of my experience in college and being misled by so much falsehood. Yep. Yep. I really wanted to, to people to know the truth. And that's kind of how we came up with it. I love it. Now, uh, you're teaching up until 2018. You're still a math teacher. Is that is that, is that correct? 2017. 2017. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at, at what point did the beat become something where you saw a legitimate career trajectory from it? Was it right around 2017 where you quit? Was it a little before that? Was it after that? Because again, this is a different time in, in YouTube yeah. and you're early to the space, but it's still, still very fresh. So when were you like, okay, I can transition away from, and you weren't even, I mean, you know, you gave me some of the numbers. You weren't making a ton of money in 2017 as a no. math teacher. Like it wasn't yeah. like you, again, this is still very humble, modest uh, income. So, so how did, how did that work? Yeah. So, um, okay. So I got married in 2015. Uh, once again, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about my single mm-hmm. journey in just a moment, but I got married when I was two, 2015. Uh, at this point, I'm, I got married when I was 40 years old. Uh, that's a whole nother story. But um, um, 2015, I was making about 50, 52,000 a year, which once again, if that's what you're making guys out there, I'm not making, I'm not belittling that at all. Like I praised God for that. Mm -hmm. But all I'm going to say is that as a man who wanted to provide for his family after taxes were taken away and (laughs) after um, the crazy uh, insurance plan that teachers get where it's like high premium and high deductible. I can remember that my checks every month were $2,400. I think it was like $2,391 after everything was taken out. Well, we had a house, we had debt, we had, you know, wedding debt that we were still paying off. We Mm. had cars, we had credit cards, we had student loans. Like that wasn't enough Mm -hmm. in order Mm -hmm. to really make it work financially Mm -hmm. for our family, even though my wife was working too. Um, so in 2017, I quit my job as a math teacher. At this point, no, the ministry was nowhere near self-sustaining at all. Mm. Um, because at that point, 
I want to say I had a little bit over 10, 15,000, maybe 20,000 subscribers. I didn't have any courses that I was marketing. Uh, we didn't have any donations coming in. I wasn't making much on YouTube ad revenue at this point. So at this point, I mean, YouTube was just a passion project for me. And and then, and, and it still is, um, to be honest with you. Um, I would do it. I would do it if, if for free, to be honest, yeah. because I absolutely, absolutely love teaching the Bible. So I quit my job as a teacher and I started a math tutoring company. And why did I do that? Because for for years as a teacher, I had to be bivocational because I wanted to provide for my family. So I was tutoring math four days a week from Monday through Thursday from four o'clock to eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I'm teaching math from 7 a.m. to 3.30, catching a little snack, going house to house. I'm, I'm literally traveling from house wow. to house in the neighborhood or really in McKinney in, in North Dallas, really just, you know, going back and forth in people's houses and tutoring them for four hours um, after school. So I'm getting home at eight o'clock, eight thirty, plus volunteering, volunteering at church on the weekends. And, and it was just crazy. Uh, so so that's what I did for um, from 2015 when I got married to 2017. Well, in hmm. my mind, I said, why can't I transition this into a business? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I said, well, let me give it a shot. And thankfully, mm-hmm. I, had a, I have a supporting wife who said, yeah, I, you know, you can give it a shot. And so um, to make a long story short, I started my math tutoring company in 2017. Mm-hmm. And by the grace of God, that really picked up quickly. And that really helped sustain our family for some time, well before the ministry even did. Wow. So so now you're utilizing some of the entrepreneurship side of your skill set. You're, you're launching a side business. You're running the beat. You're still teaching and you're a newlywed. Um, I want to come back to the YouTube in a minute, but tell me what it was like. I got married at 23. My wife was 21. We met in high school. You get you, you got married at 40. Uh, after going through an entire season of being in seminary single, being on staff at churches single. Briefly talk about that entire journey, because I, I want to come back to the YouTube and kind of glue all this together for people. Mm. Yeah, I'll summarize it in one word, frustrating. I mean, I, 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 I could be up here and act super spiritual and be like, yeah, it was a great experience, and I learned a lot, and God grew me in this season, and all that is true. But, dude, it was so frustrating because I was not that guy that was out there, you know, trying to, you know, um, sleep with women. I wasn't that guy because remember I was a seminary dude. I was on staff at churches. So I mm-hmm. had the spirit of God in me. I knew I wasn't able to get go out there and just start sleeping around. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, part of my testimony is, man, I, this is crazy, but part of my testimony is there was an 18 year period where I was celibate and, I'm not, I'm not saying I was perfect. Okay. Cause I don't, I'm not going to throw that lie out there. I'm not going to say I was perfect, meaning I didn't struggle, uh, in doing other things. I'm not going to say I didn't, I didn't, you know, get close to the line. I'm not going to say I didn't push the envelope with some of the girls that I was dating. I'm not going to say that I always dated in a way that honored God because I didn't, I can look back and see a trail of broken hearts of women mm. that even to this day, I regret because I didn't date them in a way that was honoring. I I wasn't intentional. I didn't know how to date. And this all tied into my childhood. I didn't really know what a good, healthy relationship was supposed to look like because I never saw one growing up. So I just experimented. 
And as you're experimenting, trying to find happiness with all of these different women. And I mean, if I'm being honest and I, I don't even believe, I don't know why I'm even putting this out there publicly, publicly, but there was at least 30 or 40 or 50 women that I dated while I was single. Seriously, wow. that's not, an, uh, that's not an exaggeration. I wasn't sleeping with them. I was just trying to find happiness. I was trying to find love and I would get bored real quickly after a month or two, two, three months. And that's how I was able to have so many different relationships and man, nothing stuck. And I was frustrated because I was pure. Um, mm. You know, I, I wasn't perfect, but I wasn't able, I, I never, I never had intercourse for 18 years and it was frustrating. I couldn't get hired on at churches. I kind of knew the reason why. Um, and I was angry at God because I wanted to be married like all my other friends. I felt like life was passing me by. I wanted to be a father. I wanted to have this moment with my daughter, <laughs> right? 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, when most kid guys my age were having those moments, but it just didn't work out like that. Yeah. Wow. So what was it like finally getting married? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that that had some struggle in it as well. Transitioning from being a single guy, living your entire adult life, college, career, ministry, all these things. And now you're married at 40. Uh, you're probably a little more set in your ways, <laughs> right? Oh, uh, oh ask what, my wife. I'm real set in my ways. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that like? Talk about getting married and, and, and that entire transition. Man, that was that that was and continues to be one of the biggest blessings of my entire life because I questioned whenever I was single whether I would ever meet somebody. I mean, after you've had 30 or 40 relationships that never panned out after more than two, three months, maybe six months, you begin to question, well, what's the common denominator? Me. I'm mm -hmm. the problem. I'm not mm -hmm. able to sustain a relationship. I'm not able to be in a long term relationship. I'm not able to make it work. I get mm -hmm. bored. I lose interest. Right. And so all those things, I kind of internalized those things. So when I met my wife, man, everything just turned around because like she checked every box and she kept my attention. I fell in love with her. I was intoxicated with her love for the whole time we were dating mm -hmm. and all the way through our courtship and our, 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 our engagement. And it's main, it's sustained the test of time. We're six years in, we're happy. It's not a perfect mm -hmm. marriage, but we're happy. We're strong. Mm -hmm. Um, we've never ever, and hopefully we'll never consider separating from one another. We have two wonderful kids. So it's been a blessing. And I'll say this, every single thing and every single aspect of my life has gone up since I got married and, and married, met my wife, everything financially, health, happiness, spiritual life, ministry, business, you name it. I met her. It went up. Wow. What a, what an interesting story. Now, let me ask you this was your guy. So we, we dated for four years. Uh, well, we dated for three years, got engaged, and 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 were uh, you know engaged for a year. When when you're in a, in a older in life, and not that you that you're old, but you know you're forty. Was the yeah. engagement and and that process faster? Like was oh, it like yeah. you guys met, and how how long between when you met to when you were married? What was that? We time met line? February fourteenth, two thousand fourteen, at church. We started dating. I want to say in uh, April of two thousand fourteen. Got engaged. April uh, 7th of 2015, got married November 15th, 2015. So the whole process took about a year and eight months for us to have between when we met and when you, we Y'all were messing around. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. Hey, man. I love hey, it. I, I, I had been single and celibate for a long time, bro. I wasn't playing around, bro. You was ready. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, 
you guys get married um, and you just had this really good video, which I really encourage you guys to check out Alan and his wife's video about women uh, working, Christian women working. I mean, the way you guys approached that and told your story there, and we don't have to rehash all of that, but your wife was... Uh, she had a whole career, right? And she's a mother, and here you are with a career. And so can you can you talk, tell us a bit about that dynamic in terms of now you're transitioning, there's children uh, that come into play. What was that whole season of life and, 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 and to what it currently led to within the last, like within the last six months? Yeah, so that was crazy because my daughter, our daughter was born March 25th, 2017. And as you all will recall from the story, um, I, um, quit my job in May, really June of 2017. So I quit my job as a full-time high school math teacher three months after my first daughter was born. So it's crazy here. I am trying to start a new business from scratch. Didn't never start a business before. I had no idea what I was doing. Just like with the, with the beat. I had no idea what I was doing when I started the beat. Didn't know how to work a camera, didn't know how to work lighting, didn't know how to work a microphone, did not do video editing, did not do graphic design, did not do thumbnails, did not do SEO. Like I was totally clueless with the beat. I didn't know what I was mm-hmm. doing. Um, and so um, took a chance, started the business, but it was stressful because anyone who's out there who started a business, you know that the first couple of years, you got to hustle. Like mm-hmm. you got to pretty much work that thing and, and it'll wear you down. So Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of margin because in the evenings when most kids are needing tutoring after school, I'm tutoring. So here I am. I just have this little girl, beautiful little girl. And most times I'm not getting home until eight, nine o'clock in the evening because Mm -hmm. I'm trying to run a business. And, uh, it was just really tough and we still weren't making a ton of money. Um, and and it was rough, but thankfully my, my wife was working. And so she was able to sustain us for a while. And then, you know, fast forward until at this point, the ministry is starting to pick up around 2019, 2020. Financially, you know, God just really started blessing us. People started giving faithfully, just started supporting our ministry. Um, We have some courses that we sell. People started buying the courses. Uh, YouTube ad revenue started kicking in finally. And so all that stuff kind of came together. And, um, you know, at this point, we had a decision to make should we keep my wife, you know, working or should she come home and, you know, uh, be more active with the ministry and with the kids and things like that. And I left that decision up to her. You guys can learn about it in the video that we posted on my channel, but God really put it strong on her heart to want to come home. And I'm glad that he did because that really worked out really well. And in, in the last, let me see, she came home in August. So the last four months have been amazing. Yeah, and so that's recent for you uh, yeah. in terms of her coming home. What's what's interesting is that that time window, the beat starts in 2014. You you have the side business. You're still teaching, and you're saying the YouTube doesn't really become profitable in a full time thing till about about a year ago that I followed. Wow. 2019 yeah. is when it starts. Becoming. Do you remember kind of like thresholds in terms of like where your subscriber count was? Like when were you when you hit at the hundred thousand? When were you hit two hundred thousand? Do you kind of remember those 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 windows? Um, yeah, I do. Um, I remember after one year on YouTube, I had one thousand five hundred and sixty four subscribers. And I know that wow. number because I've when I train people on how to build their YouTube channel, 
that's one of the things that I always encourage them is, hey, don't look at my channel now and think that it's always been there. Like you got to be willing to put in the work like Ruslan mm -hmm. and I are putting in the work. I put a video up every single week for 52 weeks in a row. Never missed a week. My first year on YouTube. And even after my first year on YouTube, I only had 1,564 subs. And so after two years, I had 10,000 subs. Somehow, I think the second year, it just started growing. Mm. So after two years, you know, 10,000 subs. And then, you know, it just kind of grew from there. And then um, I, when did I break 100,000? Um, I want to say that was about two two or three years ago. Okay. I can't remember exactly. It's on that plaque over there. I don't remember. Yeah. But it's pretty um, exponential once it actually starts happening. But to get you, to that Yeah, first, you're experiencing that now. It's yeah, exponential yeah. growth. It's not linear. Yep. yep. Praise yep. God. Yeah. Wow. Man, that's that's so interesting. So there's <laughs> there's there, there there's there's so much there. I think uh in my video when I talked about women and staying at home and family, my wife stayed at home and was the one that encouraged me to quit my job at my church in 2015. She's a she, uh similar to your wife, went to college, had a full-time job, was certified as a, as a substitute teacher, the whole bit. And so she comes home and we had Levi uh, and we were thankfully debt-free. Our, our overhead was nothing. And six months into coming home, uh, encouraged me to quit my job at the church and pursue music and ministry full-time in 2015. So that was, I mean, a whirlwind. And in, in, in a similar fashion, it took a multiple years until we finally got stable and we rebuilt our savings back to what it was. Um, but they did a survey, Alan, and they surveyed women who have um, children, and they found out that 55% of women who work, excuse me, 59% of women who work um, with kids under 18 prefer to stay at home if given the opportunity to right mm -hmm. now that's 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 not christian women that's women with kids 18 and under so i would love to see how those numbers look with like kids eight and under right and the vast majority of them de desired to if they had the opportunity to stay home and so i love the fact that you guys built out your your lives in these multiple businesses where you afforded your wife the opportunity to stay home and at the end of the day you was like look holy spirit you do what you do and you let her make the decision but the opportunity was there um yeah talk about just that provider side of you that I, I again, we, we, you probably don't talk about it a whole lot, but you, you, you're, you're driven, man. There's that, there's that desire for you to provide, protect, and of course be the pastor and a priest of your home. Talk about that provider side that I, I think uh, many men are struggling with right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I really always wanted to give my, my wife the option um, I never wanted to pressure her. I knew when I married her, she was not the typical stay-at-home mother. Uh, that was just never her. She's a working woman. She loves her job. She loves her career and things of that nature. So I wanted to at least be in a position as a man. I mean, men, we should take pride in, the, in being able to provide for our home. You may not be the sole provider, but you should be a significant contributor to you know, your home. And so uh, I took pride in that. And I always wanted to be in a position where I could give my wife and my kids a great life, mm -hmm. uh, not just a great spiritual life, but a great life, right? Uh, where we didn't have to always struggle through life, right? I was tired of struggling through, yeah. trying to work 60, 80 hours a week just to scrape by and always in debt and, uh, and always struggling and always every purchase you make, you got to question whether you have it or whether you should or shouldn't. Like, I got tired of that. And 
thankfully God really started blessing some of the endeavors that, you know, we were, we were, um, you know, building and, um, you know, God, God's just been faithful, man. Been very faithful. That's all I can yeah. say. That's awesome. I think, um, I, I saw this clip, uh, from Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank and he said, what are the two, uh, the, he said, so what's the number one thing that you're looking for in terms of people that you're hiring? And he said, you know, it's interesting. He said, had you asked me, uh, 10 years ago, he said, I would have said engineering. He said, someone that can take, uh, take something and create something, right. To create a product, create an app, create, right. Whether it's coding or, or the mechanical engineering side. And he said, now he said, the number one thing that he's looking for are people that can tell stories through media, through copy, through video, right, so on and so forth. And so I think it's really interesting that you started as an engineer, which was is, is a high-value, scarce skill set, right? God started changing your heart, and you transitioned into doing media, which is really the future for all the reasons you pointed out, right? The people are looking more online. People are looking more on YouTube, so on and so forth. Um, Alan, I, I want you to talk to the men that are watching this. Uh, my audience, I think it's about 70% predominantly men. Um, what are just some words of encouragement? A lot of these guys are millennials. They're younger. They're trying to figure out their, they're, they're scrappy, but they don't really know where and how to do some of these things. Right. And they don't quite understand the exponential and the compounding effect of the commitments that we just talked about decades, not years, not months, decades in, in your story and my story as well. Talk to the men here and just give them some, some words of, of encouragement. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing I would say is, um, be patient. Like don't expect overnight success and overnight, um, prosperity or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what the word is, but you know, sometimes, you know, I've noticed that a lot of people from, I'll just be honest, like from that millennial generation, like they're not willing to put in the work um, that is needed in order to kind of like get somewhere. Um, so the first thing I would say would be like, be willing to put in the work, like develop a good work ethic. Not only is that just biblical, right? Do everything as unto the Lord, Amen. but like to get ahead in life in general, you're going to need to have a good work ethic and you're need to, you're going to need to be willing to put in your time. Look, you know, I'm 46 years old and I'm just now starting to enjoy, you know, some semblance of financial freedom Come at 46. And this is after years of teaching and getting up in the morning and going to work and tutoring and going door to door and, you know, all these things, you know, leading worship for a thousand bucks a month. Like you got to be willing to put in the work. That's the first thing. And then uh, the second thing I would say would be um, get a skill, develop a skill that solves a problem that people have in this world. Come if you on. have a skill that solves yeah. a problem for people in this world, you will never be broke. You'll never, people will always need you. Listen, I was a math tutor and I taught at the highest level. I taught calculus, BC calculus, which is the highest math class in a, any high school you could go to. So that made me automatically a marketable tutor because very few people in this world know enough to teach calculus or to tutor it. And so that's why the business really blew up really quickly because I was one of the few people in town that knew how to tutor something, right? Mm -hmm. So find a skill that you are good at. You don't even have to be passionate about it. Just something that you're good at that solves a problem for people and 
and that'll set you apart. The third thing I'll say is um, be careful in your relationships with women in terms of your sensuality and your passions mm. and lust and things like that. Because um, if you're not, that can really derail you as a man, yep. both as a single man, as well as a married man. So if you're struggling in that area, get some accountability uh, in that regard. So uh, those would just be a few things yeah. that I would say, um, you know, to to men to just really, really kind of yeah. hopefully kind of, you know, get going. Yeah. And, and, and then um, I think your wife played a big role in where you guys are at with all these different businesses, believing in you. Talk to talk to the women, some of them single, some of them married. What advice would you have for the ladies here that are watching this that are um, trying to figure out how to how to, you know, maybe support their husband or even even uh, land a husband for some of these ladies? Uh, how would you uh, what, what, what words of encouragement would you have for them? Yeah, well, if you're single, I'll just say this. Please be very, very careful about who you marry. I know that it's hard, uh, but um, uh, don't settle. I see a lot of women settling. Um, and if I'm just going to be honest, I see a lot of African-American women settling, if I'm just being honest, um, because there is a scarcity of good, eligible black men. And so um, I heard somebody say it this way. Uh, they said the only thing worse than waiting is later on wishing that you had, right? Sheesh. <laughs> and man, when I heard that, that knocked me out, right? Because we think when we're single, this is the worst thing, waiting. Like waiting on God to have a husband is the worst thing. But no, there's actually something that's worse than waiting. It's later on wishing that you had waited, right? And I got friends that are in tumultuous marriages. You know, they're not interested in their husband anymore. They're not attracted to their husband. Her mm. husband's not the spiritual leader of their home. He's not godly or he, you know, he doesn't have a good work ethic. So just ladies, just choose wisely. Now, if you are married, I would say my encouragement to you is just to encourage your husband, support him, um, you know, be that helpmate that he needs and uh, stand by his side and, um, uh, you know, continue to honor and respect him. I love that, Alan. Um, wow. Yeah. I think, I think hopefully people walk away from this conversation with some practical utility. I think what you said about having a, a skill set that solves a problem and you parallel that to high math, I think is valuable. Um, obviously the, the marriage advice and um, what is next for you? And we'll, and we'll just wrap up for that. What, what, what's, what, what's in, in 2022, what are you guys working on? Yeah. Um, and of course, everybody knows the, cha the channel, the beat, you guys go subscribe there, check out his video with his wife amazing really well done this conversation that just their journey is really cool so what's next for, for the pars yeah yeah well you know what something that you said uh russ um uh that i i think i texted you about it shortly after i watched one of your videos about six months ago when we were chatting and you were mentioning about this uh this dichotomy if you will or not this dichotomy but this this tension that uh i think you called it a false a false um, false tension or false something or other. False where, dilemma. Yes, false dilemma with this mm -hmm. idea that if you are a minister, that is all you can be. Mm. You can only be a minister. You cannot be a minister and an entrepreneur. Or if you're an entrepreneur, that's all you can be. But you better not be an entrepreneur and a minister. And in other, in other words, you better not be a minister and trying to earn money and trying to earn an income, like, no, you can't do that. Like, that's right. 
the two are not congruent with each other, right? Right. And right. Um, I'm so glad that you came against that in in the video that you that you talked about that because, you know, listen, guys, it's 2022. It's a different mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. It's a different day. We're all trying to feed our families, and um, you know, certainly ministers should never be greedy. We should never mm-hmm. um, ha- have a love of money or anything like that, right? But we are living in a day, thankfully, due to technology and due to the media, where um, you know, if you are someone out there who is really, really wanting to go into ministry full time, like I always wanted to since 1999, yeah. right? It's more possible now than ever before. And I know Russ has got some resources on how to do that. I've got some resources on how to do that as well. Um, so reach out to one of us and we can possibly point you in the right direction with that. But, you know, in terms of what's next for us, man, the sky is the limit, man. We're, we're building so many things this year. We're so excited. We literally just launched a brand new community. Yeah, It's called the Let's Equip Community. It's killing it. We got already 2,000 people who have already joined in this community. It's not a free community. It's, it's you know, it's, it costs a little bit of money and not that much. But, I mean, it gives you access to me, a monthly Bible study every month. My wife just did a women's Bible study yesterday for two hours. She crushed it. I do a monthly Q&A over there. Um, we have monthly challenges where we... We, we give you some sort of new challenge this this year. It's, uh, this month was reading through the Bible in a year. Yep. We've got groups over there. People are chatting their praise reports. It's not on Facebook. So it's not on Facebook <laughs> at all. It's outside of Facebook. So this year, our big push is to really try to build people up and, and, and nurture them and disciple them and pour into them in a private community. We also have a couple of new courses that we're launching this year. Uh, that we're really, really excited about, um, you know, more do- t- details to come on those. Um, but, you know, honestly, we, we, you know, we, we built up a new team. We've got 11 people on our team now. Wow. Um, and so it's just a blessing. Uh, and that's why when people say, oh, you know, as a minister, you shouldn't charge for this, that. I'm like, hey, look, you know, we, we got we got people to pay. We have a come team. We're just like a pastor. See, the biggest thing, Russ, is I wish people should would start seeing us as pastors of online churches mm-hmm. because if they saw us as pastors of online churches then they would be more willing to support what we're doing mm. versus oh they're just a youtuber mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. they'll give money to their church because they're accustomed to doing that but what about people who have online churches like us mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. just i just want you guys to know look this is not alan parr asking for money this is alan parr saying don't give it to me. Give it to Russ. Give it to John McRae. Give it to Mike Winger. Give it to Alyssa Childers. Give mm-hmm. it to Melissa Doherty. Give it to someone. Don't give it to me. Just release it, though. Give it to somebody because we they need it, right? Stop being stingy. Stop thinking that, oh, you know, they, they don't need it. Look, I, this is not a plea to donate to Alan Parr's ministry. We're good. I'm not, I'm not asking for that. But what I'm saying is, this brother right here, he you he needs your support, not just prayers, not just sharing the videos. He needs your financial support, y'all. So if you see him as somebody pouring into you like an online pastor, then I want to encourage you to strongly consider supporting his ministry. Mm. Guys, hopefully this was a blessing to you. 
and 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 just gave you a different perspective on everything that uh, Alan has contributed. I, I want to thank you personally because a lot of the stuff you guys see us doing with our free How to Study the Bible course, with our free YouTube niche training, is inspired by Alan. Alan will call me and be like, "What are you doing, man? You can't just rely on YouTube. You got it. You got to do some different stuff. You got to bless the people with some free resources." So, Alan, um, you've been very helpful behind the scenes. You continue to be helpful here coming on my channel, always being very generous with your time. Uh, thank you so much, brother. I really, really appreciate you guys. One time for Alan Parr, ladies and gentlemen. Hey guys, if you guys want to uh, check out our free YouTube niche training and your this conversation maybe inspired you, check out the link in the description or go to mastermyniche.com or just hit the link in the description. If you guys want to partner with what we're doing, the best way to do that is on our Patreon community. You can make a monthly contribution. Kingstream Entertainment. Bruce Lawn. Yo, thank you so much for making it to the end of this video. Make sure to check out the links in the description for some free resources, including a free Find Your Niche on YouTube course, as well as a free Master My Habits course and a free How to Study the Bible course, all free in the links in the description. And you can also find out ways on how you can partner with us through Patreon, all in the description. And check out some of these other videos recommended from me and YouTube to you. All right? Peace.